Hi, I'm Cass. I live in Canada. <laughs> I'm Jim Barrford. I'm Randy Resnick, and you're listening to Leave the Bottle Podcast. You could find us at leavethebottlepodcast.com. And iTunes, and now Stitcher as well. Subscribe, subscribe, please. That's right. You guys are everywhere. I invited Cass today because she is someone that I've known for a long time on Google+. Plus. So she's an old-timer. James, you're kind of an old-timer too, aren't you not? Uh, since day two. I think I'm day two as well. I got an invite through the guys I hang out with now. So I think I started up after maybe a week. And we should mention, you may be talking about the Android Coliseum folks, possibly? Yeah, probably. And you are almost always or always on that podcast. Let's plug it. Hey, so, yep, we used to talk on Friday evenings, but kids came along and people and baby bath times. So we shifted to, um, I think it's, well, it's one o'clock my time, so Mountain, Mountain Standard. And we talked about Android in Canada as opposed to in the U.S., which uh, I hope gives us a different type of focus. And that's one of the great things about the Internet is that you can do something like that. And I know that that... Um the podcast and the page and whatever other presence, the site and so on, has a very, very good uh, following because, hey, it's Canada and that's that's what you want to do. Rather than everything being on America, like Robin uh, Williams was saying that Canada is like when you live in an apartment upstairs and there's a great party going on down below. That's a terrible joke for Canada because it's uh, pretty soon Americans will be fleeing up to Canada again. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway. well, you know, today, today is basically a holiday in Canada. It's a hockey trading deadline day. So it's like for us Americans who are hockey freaks and all Canadians who are huddled around all day today, the TVs and the Internet, who's going to get traded, who's not going to get traded. So for me, anyways, it's kind of like a holiday. Okay. <laughs> I am uh, going to admit that I'm not into hockey. Uh, so, it's, uh, yeah. We agreed we were not going to talk about golf, though, Cass. So, moving along right. here. I have currently no pets. My wife has me for a pet, I guess, if you, if you <laughs> must uh, find something. Jim wants to talk about something. And, Cass, I know you have, I'm guessing, two dogs? I don't know. How many? Yep, two dogs. Why don't you go ahead and tell the story? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a sad week in the Bearford homestead. Uh, we lost our 19-year-old cat yesterday, Simon. We've had him since he was eight weeks old uh, while we were planning our wedding. And uh, we had gotten him and his sister uh, at a place. And then they he got her knocked up on our honeymoon because we didn't get them fixed in time. And <laughs> so we kept two from from their little rendezvous. So it's been, uh, for all these years, we've had anywhere between six and seven cats and all our moves all around the country and so forth. And Simon was always the uh, the mainstay. He outlasted all of them. And uh, he was a groovy guy. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bummer. It's all part of the deal. Um, my wife actually uh, is uh, the head of the nursing staff at a veterinary hospital. And I don't know, frankly, how she does it. But she uh, she was involved in and in, uh, seeing Simon off into his next journey uh, yesterday, and she's done that for each one of our cats along the way. And uh, I don't know how she does it, but you know somebody's got to do it. And uh, it's weird today. I mean, we still have uh, four cats and two dogs, and uh, one of my dogs—they're both rescues. He's going under for a procedure today, so I'm like on pins and needles. But uh, he'll be fine. She'll be fine. Um, 
But it's the deal we make, right, Cass? I mean, you have animals. They're not going to be like humans living for 70, 80 years. We know that going in. It sucks, but we have to balance, right? Now, I'm sure you have two dogs, so you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Like, I have uh, two dogs. These are our second set of dogs, which sounds terrible. Our first dog that we had, it was like, the deal was when we got a house, we got to have a dog, and we picked one, and... uh, I was out walking him and our other dog, and he had a heart attack while we were on our walk. Oh, wow. So I had to carry him home, me, shaking the dog, not believing he's gone. And um, I think I went, I did go to work the next day, and then our, our next dog was sick, and uh, we did end up taking him to the vet and uh, putting him down because he was very ill and when I talked to the vet the said vet said that he would not live a long time after and uh, I stayed with him it's very hard but it's the least you can do as far as I'm concerned absolutely you know this is our responsibility once we take them into our homes there are responsibilities so I actually had um, when I moved in with my wife she had a cat and the cat did not take to me kindly for obvious you know pets are very possessive and um, she wasn't, she was maybe a couple of years old at that time. And, you know, we'd been married for a number of years, and the cat and I never were tight, to, take, <laughs> to, put, it, to put it bluntly. And there were a lot of conflict areas. One time the cat, uh, I walked in, and my wife had baked a beautiful birthday cake, and the cat was licking off the frosting. She had eaten about <laughs> half the top of the cake. And I, uh, I attacked her and threw the cake off. I don't know. It's a long story. Nothing serious happened. But I'll tell you. That's why the cat hated you. Well, yes. no, no. There was there were plenty of reasons for me to not like her. But the point I'm getting to, I would never. I'd be too embarrassed to tell that story if there wasn't a counterpoint, another aspect to it, which is that uh, when the cat was ill. Uh, we took her to the vet several times, and she had a problem. And then, you know how animals will do this? You want, Both of you may have had this experience. With it. When an animal is very sick, they stop eating. And I had the impression, I think she had like something really serious. I don't remember what it was. It was a specific, very typical cat thing. She was maybe 15 or, or more. And she stopped eating. And she stopped eating. She hadn't eaten in like four days and she was like, it was like, uh, I'm taking it out. You know, that kind of, you, I, that's the impression I had. I'm, that's it. I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm out of here. And I, for a couple of days, opened cans of tuna, tuna for humans, you know, and brought them out into the living room, which she never had the right to eat in the living room. And, you know, brought her to it and was petting her and stuff. And you know what? She came back to life and lived a couple of years. She kind of got better. Wow. Yeah, I mean, she kind of got better uh, from that. And then when the, the day came when we finally were resigned after a couple of visits to the vet, they go, well, look, there's not much more we can do. And it becomes, you know, you can see where the a cat will kind of growl. Uh, a lot of times during the day of from pain, and eventually it was time, and I took, we took her in, and we both were in the room, and I had my hand on her when she was getting the injection, and I I felt really deeply about it. I mean, I'm kind of moved talking about it, uh, but at the same time, I felt better than just going away, sitting in the waiting room, and then somebody coming out and going, "It's done." So you got to do these things sometimes. Yeah. I can't. I I'll be honest with you. I can't be there for that. I've graduated to the point where I can bring 
my animals to my wife's hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, Bless her there. heart. She de- she deals it with it from there, um, and she gets to have to go through that. But she accepts that uh, that's part of the deal. Um, but I, I haven't been. I like yesterday. I had to um, drop Simon off. I you know hugged him, kissed him, told him I loved him, and all that stuff. And then I had to leave. You know, and I was bawling like a baby driving away. And I'm sure people at the stoplights were just like, what the hell is with this grown man sitting there sobbing in the car? But it also goes to loss, too, because um, we don't have kids. Our animals are our kids. I mean, that's that's the deal we made 20 plus years ago. We weren't going to have kids. We we've bought houses specifically because of them. True story. We were moving to Florida for my wife to go to college. And we knew we weren't going to get a rental with six cats. It was not going to happen, you know, unless it was some like dumpy little divey place. So we ended up buying a place, even though we only planned on being there for a couple of years because of our cats. And it was, it's weird. So I always feel weird when I'm posting, say, on Facebook or something like that, when we've lost an animal, because it's like, OK, are people going to be like, all right, you know, sad. OK, poor kitty. Like, let's move on as if, you know, what's the big deal? You know, why are you having such an emotional reaction? You know, and like even uh, like I recorded that little two minute SoundCloud, uh, my thoughts yesterday about uh, Simon as a, as a goodbye. And I, I posted it on Facebook and I kind of half expected, you know, certain people to be like, you know, rolling their eyes a little bit. But it was really cool. The reaction from people was really, really kind and generous and, and very thoughtful. Um, and I think that, you know, for people who, you know, when you lose an animal, it's a significant loss in your life. You know, I don't look at it as just, okay, well, you know, you can always get another dog or a cat or something like that. It's I don't, a significant no, I don't, loss. I don't think anyone thinks that. I mean, that's, that's less, uh, that's less people, than human. Oh, I've, I've had people in the past been like, oh, you know, you know, I understand and all that stuff, but it's not like it was your child or not like it was yeah. a family member. There's a lot of people out there who look at uh, it. That that's way. unbelievable. It's definitely a family member. I lost a dog also, but I'm not going to tell that whole story um, because I wanted to to get move from that into something else. So you talk about posting your grief on uh, social media, and um, this is this is this is personal stuff, and it's true that if you. And I've already said this on the podcast about people posting photos of their kids and they keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Um, that's one thing. But Cass had an accident, what, a year ago, I think, by now. And no, posted just August. Was it? I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember because I'm not uh, actually following you that closely to have the date written down or anything. <laughs> I remember because but it I'm happened sure. to me. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the, the point is that I don't think anybody wrote you and said, would you please stop posting photos of your leg? And it wasn't, I don't want to be, I'm going to be brutally frank here, the photos of your leg that you were posting were not actually that appetizing. You know, they were photos of an injured member, so it wasn't like anything exciting. Uh, but that's an, an interesting thing. Did you? Was there any pushback from people on social media, on Google Plus, or did you post it elsewhere than Google Plus? Because that's all I know about. No, I only. I, I'm not on Facebook, so <clears throat> yes, I think I'm one of the ten people in the world not on Facebook. I'm not either so. in any significant way. But uh, no, nobody. Like I think. That is one of those things. It's not a really divisive topic. So people don't feel compelled to tell you you're a jerk. Stop, stop, stop. 
doing this. And I have a very small following. So people that didn't want to look didn't have to look. And and yeah, I did get a lot of sympathy from people online. They said, oh, sorry to hear that. And I think I know a couple of people at work. That's how they kept track of me because I was off work for, you know, for a couple months. Right. So they could see how I was doing and, and stuff like that. And I sort of wanted to show people how quickly you heal. It wasn't like, and I wanted a record of how quickly I was healing mm -hmm. as well. So, because a lot of times, unless you've been injured, you don't recognize what breaks in your body <laughs> and what, and how long it takes. Like, I was really surprised to find out really with a broken bone, the broken bone is minor. It's all the swelling that mm -hmm. takes a long time to go away and, and heal. So. I guess I was trying to help people learn from my mistake. The other thing is that if you're, if it's something like a leg or an arm, um, you're basically handicapped in a way for months. So you lived that whole thing of, uh, first of all, re I guess rehabilitation of the, of the leg, reusing it, and so on. So uh, that's another thing. I, when I first saw that your post about having being actually hit by a car, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I. I might have even made a joke. I, I apologize for it after, but I thought it was some. I thought you were like brushed by the car. And when you started showing the photos and talking about how bad it was, I had no idea. But uh, following that does bring you back to earth. I mean, I, I was watching that sequence. It was several months long, and you're barely back to speed now, really, aren't you? I mean, it took forever. Well, yeah, it did take forever. I am getting a lot better, but. I'm still, like before my accident, I could walk 20,000 steps, no mm -hmm. problem. Now, if I have a 10,000 step day, 11,000 step day, the next day, I'm really hurting. And by the end of the day, I'm hurting. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably a lot further along than many people would be just because of my fitness level before mm -hmm. the accident. But, you know, yeah, this takes an extraordinary time. And I'll tell you, like I was, I was sympathetic to handicap people and gradually I've been learning more about different types of handicaps you know that are less visible but there is a difference between being empathetic towards it and actually living through it like yep. I really appreciate now man I was in a wheelchair in a mall because my brother wanted to go out mm -hmm. and whoa yeah <laughs> that, that is a totally different experience when you don't have the option of just like well I don't feel like being in a wheelchair right now I'm going to get up and start walking around in stores and you know, we have to learn to be nicer to people. And what if you <laughs> and were in a, that people weren't nice to me? But what if you were in a big city, though, like uh, in Paris or even probably Montreal or, or Toronto? They, they, I'm sure they both have subways, right? Uh, up and down stairs, subways. Yeah. Probably, if they're at all modern, have elevators. But I mean, that's not exactly that convenient either. And and a lot of times you have to have an employee open this key for you and all that. So, yeah, it's got to be horrible. Probably better where you live than uh, to be in a big city, though. Uh, yeah, because in because we are reliant really on our vehicles. <laughs> right. Like we don't even have public transit here. Right. So it's uh it it was when we were in Vancouver. That's when I went to the mall. And in Vancouver, they have a lot of ramps and stuff like that mm -hmm. because their systems are newer. Their transit system is newer, so they have a lot of uh, handicap access. But even so, the simple things like I mentioned the other day, geez, I don't have to push a cup of coffee along the counter to get it to a chair anymore. Mm -hmm. I can just pick up and walk. The first day I picked up pizza, I got in the car and it was like, wow, two hands, pizza. <laughs> 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 
Actually, I shouldn't have introduced you to Jim because he ran over his best friend's leg a long time ago. <laughs> well, he, some people need running over. I don't know. No, um, it can. I, I was laid up for a while. One time, a long time ago, I had, uh, I had gotten boiling water spilled over into my boot, and it went down into my wow. boot. So I got, yeah, so yeah, on St. Patrick's Day. To boot. I had like all these plans that night. I was going out with my friends gallivanting, <laughs> and I'm in the hospital being, you know, brought, I'm in an uh, ambulance being brought to the hospital, and uh, they're working. I mean, I'm like, so this, I said to the ambulance paramedic and like so this probably means i'm not going to be going out partying tonight am i and she's like no that's not going to be happening tonight (laughs) as she's shooting me up with drugs but uh the next you know same thing for me is i noticed the next couple of months all that stuff that i for the first 25 years of my life that i completely took for granted Mm -hmm. suddenly became an issue and it's much more than just how you can take a shower when you have you know second and third degree burns on your foot and you know you, you have to keep it you know you don't want to make sure you don't get infections and things like that it's just everyday stuff and just as simple as getting around the house or you know being at yeah. other people being at other people's mercy it's like i'm terrible at asking for help accepting help typically and so that was to me was the hardest part of all was having to basically become two years old again essentially and having to allow other people to help me and and getting very frustrated i want this done now i want this over with now you know and you're just you're just doctors will tell you okay well in this about this amount of time frame you should be expecting this this and this and sometimes it doesn't work out that way and sometimes it's like okay time frames have to change because healing is you know subjective to each person you know and uh it can be very frustrating and it was funny um about a month and a half i still after i was burned and i still had like all this stuff on my feet a foot for protection and, and my buddies wanted to go out golfing and I'm like there's no way I can go golfing I'm on crutches you know I got all this stuff and they're like well we'll drive a driving cart so they put me in a cart and I'm drinking a few beers and I'm on up on and they take my crutches and hold me and then let go of me so I could swing <laughs> and I swing and I get the crutches and I get back in the that cart. is crazy <laughs> I, I actually parred the first two holes and I'm a lousy golfer and they're like wow <laughs> Dude, you should be playing with crutches all the time. Yeah. Like, but by the time we got to like the sixth hole, I was my foot is like throbbing. It's killing me. The beer isn't helping. The drugs aren't helping. And I had to call it a day. And I remember my girlfriend at the time was just like, "Are you out of your mind?" And when I told my doctor, my doctor was like, "You know, you put yourself at all this risk for infection and this." Yeah, but I just I needed to have that hour or a couple of hours of being a. a for me, a normal person again. And uh, they were like, well, you could have really set yourself back a lot, but you want to just do what you did before. And that frustration level can be just brutal, you know, and especially as you start feeling a little bit better and a little bit better, you suddenly feel like, I just want to do what I did. But like you, Cass, I, I have a much, much greater appreciation now. When I have little things happen, it's like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm, you know, I broke my toe last year and it was like, it was more aggravating than anything else. It's a toe. You have nine other ones. Okay. You know, and that's fine. But I was like, you know what? It could be so much worse, but that doesn't mean that you're not frustrated as hell in the moment. Well, the the other aspect of these injuries is, um, 
I had uh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I have uh, I had had uh, two very minor operations on my eyelids, where I had kind of a sty or some kind of a permanent thing. I don't even know what the word for it is. Uh, and in one t- one time, I went to a clinic that was specialized in that kind of thing, and they they've dressed you up like a turkey, where you've got the little paper things on your feet. And the the robe that shows you're behind and all that whole thing, and there I was put on a I was put on a gurney. Uh, maybe I had maybe I had maybe I had it maybe I had it on backwards. No, and uh, no, they put you in those hospital gowns, and you're and I'm on a gurney, right? I'm lying down, and they put me in a corridor for like an hour and a half, and. I wasn't like, oh, how can they do this to me? But but the difficult part wasn't being in the gurney waiting for the surgeon. The difficult part was that while you're in that gurney, every single body that was wheeled by me was a hundred times, you know, had some horrible thing, right? So that's when you're fairly, I mean, even you, Cassie, had a pretty serious injury. But still, if you when you were in the hospital, if you, if you had to go to hospital for treatment, um, yeah. The initial time, actually, you were probably one of the maybe more injured people if there weren't like 20 gunshot wounds and so on. But, but yeah, basically. Canada, no gunshot wounds. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, we don't have too much here either. <laughs> Fewer. Anyway, I think you don't have too much more time. What we need to do is talk a little bit about the Android thing. At least the site is androidcoliseum.com. Is that precise? Uh, per- yes. perfectly it? Yeah. <laughs> And I hope so. I sent them a little message about making sure that it works without the www. By the way, I don't know who rents. I'm pretty sure it does. No, it doesn't. And uh, so, yeah, so I I wrote that to the page, Uh, and if somebody's looking at that, that, (laughs) right? And you've been on that forever, right? Did you start with it, or did you come in a little later? No, actually, the guys that started it used to be on another site. And uh, they didn't like how that site was going. So when they decided to branch off, they asked me if I wanted to join in. So I think I mostly, I think, I know, mostly I jump in on the Hangouts. Mm -hmm. I do write a bit for it, but work is really busy. And then getting broken didn't help either. You (laughs) think, I'm home for two and a half months, I'll write lots. It's like, no, no, I'm going to sit lots on the couch. So uh, I have been, but I have been on the podcast and being opinionated. That's yeah, amazing. and you come up with good picks and things <laughs> like that. So it's it's cool. Yeah, it's just, kind of a nice way for us to get um, get some different apps out there because, and it's funny how people change too. Like I know when I first started on it, a lot of the guys used those ad blockers, and I always said, "Look, you want to support the developers? Pay the two bucks. Pay the two bucks. Pay the two bucks." And I'm really surprised at how many other people now on the podcast say that. You know, like support the developers. Buy. Don't block ads. Yeah, so, no, I'm totally absolutely. there. There's there's no such thing as a free lunch, and I don't understand <laughs> these people. If seriously, and I don't mean to be rude to any listeners out there, but. You know, if you if you're gonna bitch about paying a buck ninety nine for an app or ninety nine cents for an app, then re- number one, I'm not interested in listening to you. <laughs> then don't. Then I'm serious. Yeah. It, it, it aggravates the hell out of me. Then don't buy it. Don't. I mean, or don't bitch about it. I mean, just go on. There's what, hundreds yeah. of thousands, hundreds of thousands of apps out there. Find another one. I mean, I'm not made of money. You know, most of us aren't made of money, but. 99 cents or a buck 99 and you're complaining about it. I mean, these these developers have to eat too. And if if they exactly. have to spend if they have to spend their real working time on other things, 
they're after a while they're just going to say, you know what, it's not worth spending my extra time that I could be spending with my family or doing other endeavors if you know people are going to nonstop bitch about ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine, they have to eat too. And and by the way, a totally different thing. I saw your picture. I was the Galaxy uh, Tab Pro. Oh yes. Oh, oh Cass, <laughs> I was drooling over that. I was like, I went and I googled it. And I'm looking at all the different specs for it, and because uh, you just got it right. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my God, she's showing it right now, and I'm just my. Uh, and suddenly making my Nexus 7 just seems so lame uh, it is, instead. It, it is amazing. That's all. Like, it is so good that even after I, I was setting it up yesterday, and it always takes a while, you know, because I want it a certain way, and I'm looking at that phenomenal screen. And I go back and look at my note, and I'm going, is that a textured wallpaper? Or no, that's pixels. <laughs> then I looked at my computer screen, and it's like, I'm seeing pixels everywhere. Now luckily, you're suddenly getting spoiled. Yeah, but luckily I, uh, you know, on a more casual basis, those are things I can unsee. Like some people yes. can't unsee that stuff, but I can. So that wasn't that big a deal, but I am so far really liking it. I, you know, when you set it up, you get some 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 ideas about it, about how much you're going to like it. But I'll tell you, Samsung to me did a lot of things right with this. They did a great keyboard. They did some nice handwriting recognition. Um, you don't have a stylus like the Note. You can just use like an iPad stylus if you want or your finger. They do great with handwriting recognition. That multi-window is really neat. They just need to have more apps with it. And even their, uh, you know, people are always talking about TouchWiz and how ugly it is, <clears throat> which, again, if you don't like it, don't use it. It's one right. thing. But uh, they, they've, got, they've gone into the flat icon thing, and the colors that they use with it really go well with the wallpapers they include. So, And it's a skinny bomb this time. Like now, I, which, which size do you have? Which size? Is yours the 8, 10, or 12? I got the 8. That's the size that I find easiest to easiest to carry around. Like right. I flipped back and forth between the seven and ten, and then when I got the Note eight, it was like, oh, this is the size I want. Just that little bit more screen space. And this one's tall. Like it seems taller. So when you were holding it up, I know people can't see it, but when you were holding it up, it looks. I'm trying to compare it visually to my Nexus seven, and it looks much much taller. I don't know if there's much bezel around. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. There I, isn't. Okay. No. That's one thing I like about it. They did, like, and that is one of the reasons. It sounds so uh, light, but it's one of the reasons why I uh, switched from the Note 8. As much as I liked it, I didn't like how rounded the edges were, and the bezels were so wide. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, like, you think aesthetically, like, really, who cares what it looks like if it works? But I care, and I have enough money that I can, you know, I'm affluent enough that, I can make these decisions and act on them. Well, and, and you don't also, have to if you don't want to. no, absolutely not. But like <laughs> for for me now, I, I started off with the first iPads, went on to the next uh, series of iPads. But you know, if a lot of times at the end of the night, I'm laying in bed and I'm surfing and I'm reading and I'm tweeting and you know whatnot. And after a while, the iPad, you know, it was like, okay, it was getting heavier and heavier as time was going along. And it was a few times when I actually kind of fell asleep and it dropped. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, drop, I usually drop mine on the floor. Oh, I, I did that the other night, actually. And so I switched over. I tried uh, the Nexus 7, the first version of that. And I was like, wow, 
I'm not having to, I'm not like working out while I'm, you know, laying in bed at the same time. And it was nice, but going from the screen of the iPad to the first Nexus 7 was, was mm-hmm. definite, a huge come down. And then this is a funny story is I won the newest version of the Nexus 7 uh, a couple of months ago, the Queen Latifah show. They had some nice. online, not online promotion. I've never seen this show. She's very nice and I love what she does, but I just saw it as an online contest. I entered it and lo and behold, I won. So they sent me like two weeks later, the newest seven and it's great. Um, the screen now is fantastic. Yeah. And it's even it's even thinner than the first one. So I gave the first one to my wife, and my wife's like, "You mean uh, you're not giving me the new one?" I and tried. Like, no. I don't, Listen, I, I don't uh, give my husband the new stuff either. No, hell no. Oh no. I told her you go win your own contest, and you can have your own new one. No. I tried to pull that bait and switch thing. I told my wife we're going to get you a tablet, and I got I got, wanted to get myself the better Nexus Seven, and she's got it, and I've got the old one. She has it. It's not oh that, no, it's no. nice, but it's 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 not that, that. that's something somebody does when they've been married for two days, not decades. I know, I know. <laughs> that was Cass Morrison. Thank you, Cass. Uh, she had to run out the door. You know, last time we talked to a woman who was in bed, this time we dragged Cass out of bed, not physically of course, but uh, over there in Canada and she got up especially to be with us. And I really appreciate that. Thank you, Cass. Uh, she was great. Cass was awesome. It's so funny. It's like, okay, Australia, Canada, you know, in bed, out of bed. It's uh, France next, I guess. I'll try to... France find. next, yeah. Uh, you, well, you guys are a much more open society. I mean, I, I, does that mean that uh, oh, wait a minute. Any, any Americans that we get will be like, no, I don't think so. Anyway, that brings me to another little thing that um, we talked about a little bit before, which is respect for other people online and not uh, the old man get off my lawn respect that I sometimes <laughs> feel that I'm trying to get, but... Uh, The example I gave, one of the examples I gave was uh, there was a YouTube video of um, a highway patrolman, I guess, or a a policeman who was pulling somebody over. And they have cameras in their cars, patrol car cameras. And I don't know how this got found by somebody and posted on YouTube, but it was um, while the guy was going over, the policeman was going over to make the arrest or talk to the people in the car, he was hit by another car. Oh. And um, I don't know what happened to him, but and I'm not going to get into the kinds of comments there were on YouTube. This is what reminded me is that you mentioned comments on YouTube. Uh, YouTube is really the sewer of the Internet for comments, by the way. Maybe that'll change, but it's just horrible, horrible, horrible. Anyway, I haven't, I haven't seen it change much, but go ahead. Yeah, well, anyway, the, the point is, even without the comments, I want to know how anyone even half human could possibly think this is funny or a good idea to post something like that. And the immediate thing that comes to mind that I'm sure anyone who has any humanity at all will realize is even if the fellow wasn't badly hurt, I mean, this was no joke. He wasn't just touched. You could see he was hurt. Um, Suppose you're his kid or wife or father or mother, whatever. The point is, why would anybody think this is a good idea? I don't see it. I mean, maybe it's kids or something. Because a, a mature human being, you can't do that. This whole thing of the fist fights, showing fist All right, I get it. If you're in high school, maybe... Because let's face it, we were dumb in high school. We probably... Yes. I might have done that in high school. I might have thought that was a good idea in high school. But hopefully adults don't do this. This is just so bad. I don't get it. What's your take well, on it? 
Well, it used to be, well, anonymity. And there's still that whole issue of the anonymity on online and whether you need to own your comments or whether you, you know, not need to own your comments. And, and you can make a case for either dependent on the situation. You know, if you were in Egypt a couple of years ago during the protests right. or you're in Syria right now, yes, absolutely. It can be vital and it can save your life by being able to post anonymously. Um, but you know what? When you're some schmuck sitting at your computer in Dallas and you think that it's funny that a cop got hit by a car, that that's a very, very different situation. And you still have those same rights to speech, I guess. Uh, although we're talking on a worldwide scale, not just an American, my constitutional rights right. kind of issue. But there's a, there's a deeper, deeper that transcends nations and borders and cultures to just civil behavior. And I always look at it this way. 99% of those commenters would never say that to your face. They would never say that to the police officer's face. And, and while I'm at it, you know what? You go out and you do a job where every day you may not come home. You go out and you do a job where pulling over a car in the middle of the night could be the last thing you ever do. And you, all you want to do is the best you can and get home to your spouse and your children or other family or just your dog or cat, whatever. You don't have to uh, necessarily be a family member for, for uh, that to be the case. But this cowardly behavior that we see so often online, and I agree with you on YouTube, before the uh, before the policy came in that you had to have a Google Plus uh, account to comment on YouTube, after a while I wouldn't even bother. And I'm a huge YouTube user. I use it, love it for the videos and music, and I'll stream whole concerts from the Grateful Dead from you know, 1972. It's mm -hmm. great. But I never used to scroll down because I didn't want to see the ugliness. And I got to tell you, the ugliness factor has cleaned up a little bit with Google stepping in, but it's still there. It's kind of like a lot of these news websites. Like if I go to my local oh, news yeah. and you'll just see these horrible, horrible, you know, racist and homophobic and just, just disgusting. And it makes me wonder what kind of human being is just sitting around all day that they need to, they feel that need to go on their computer and just vent this ugly, vile stuff that's bottled up inside of them. And you'll see, like they're using the same um, the same uh, nicknames and handles every day on these sites, mm -hmm. and it's just story after story after story they're commenting on in just this vile. And it's like, are they mentally ill? Are they impaired in certain ways, or are they just assholes? Well, maybe, and, like I said, maybe they're like fifteen year olds. I would love to think that fifteen year olds are more evolved today than they were. <laughs> Uh, well, when I was a kid, but they probably are not. And um, when you're in your early teens, think about this. When you and I were kids, um, there was a world that existed around us. I grew up in America, too, so you know we were in the same culture. A lot of interesting things happening, but we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the Internet. There were a lot of things we didn't have. Music was, you know, whatever was being playing on, played on the radio. I'm not saying it was a great time. What I am saying is... There is so much distraction and so much noise and so many things, good and bad, 
lot of great things happen. The internet's a great thing, by the way. Sure. Yes. But absolutely. there's all this stuff to contend with. And when you think about the process of growing up and that you're coming of age, in the old days it was like, yeah, well, it's the glands, you know, the sexual thing. And that was it, right? You had pimples and wanted, looking for sex. That was the two main <laughs> deals that, uh, you know, your life was involved with. Uh, and if you're really nerdy, you wanted maybe to get some kind of science project going or something. But nowadays, you can you want just as a perfect analogy you want science you can have a you get a raspberry pi computer already built and you know you could be einstein in your basement immediately if you have that potential i mean um you want to see porn perfect example in the in my day and i'm not saying i looked for it but what i am saying is that the way that that porn was seen when i was say 16 is somebody's dad had an eight millimeter, a sixteen millimeter, eight millimeter, black and white, where the guy came out with a mustache that fell off before the second, <laughs> before the second yeah. act, if if there is a second act in those things, actually probably not. <laughs> uh, just ridiculous. But I mean, there was you could see the body parts and what they were doing with them, and that that's that's wonderful if you're you know fourteen or sixteen. But the point is, then you had to get somebody had to find the projector in the closet, get the, the film out of the can, have a time when the parents weren't home, and then invite all his friends over. And uh, nary a woman involved in that, obviously. It was all guys. I don't know what the girls did in those days, whether they looked at, you know, there, wasn't, there weren't magazines like that for women, as there are now, I assume. Anyway, point is, now zooming forward to today, anybody, I mean, I go on sites that are completely innocuous, have nothing to do with that, and see animated gifs of women doing unspeakable things uh, that are obviously aimed at, you know, these 15-year-olds that I'm talking about. And one click will bring you there, and believe me, you can see any of this stuff free. Uh, It's only if you're, like, totally addicted that you have to get an account and all that. But there's so much, so much out there. So... That's true in every field, not just porn. It's true in, like I said, the Raspberry Pi, if you were a geek. It's true in literature. If you want to write, you, uh, you could be 13 years old. No one knows you're 13 on Medium, right, or on Google+. Plus. No. So this is this I, huge I don't know, though. youth confusion. I don't know, though. though. I, may, I think I kind of might disagree in one sense. Is I don't think that we can – I don't think that we can just look at this as – whether it's because we're hoping that that would be the case, that it's all 15-year-olds. I think that there's – people are angry. Wait a minute. You're actually going back to the topic, which was bad comments. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you found your way back. I forgot where yeah, we were. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you know what? Hey, folks, stay with us for the ride. We'll eventually make it back right. there. Uh, in the best of all worlds, it would be 15-year-olds making these comments. It would be 15-year-olds going to my local news site and posting like these horrific Racist comments. Racist and all that. Yeah, probably Yeah, and, or they show a picture. You know what? Nobody's mugshot looks good. I don't care who you are. Yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is it's not just 15-year-olds. People are angry. Yeah. People have issues. People are unhappy in their lives. People are unhappy in their jobs and their circumstances. Their houses are underwater. Uh, they didn't get that promotion. They didn't get burped enough when they were a kid. You know, they didn't get laid on the frequency that they wanted as teenagers, whatever. 
people are angry. And, and I think that there are a whole lot of adults out there who are also posting not just political things, because that I think we can pretty much assume is mostly adult. But in the other realms, too, I just I, it makes me not sad for humanity because there are plenty of good people out there. But I think that even good people sometimes can do stupid things and can do angry things. And in that moment, just be, you know, post something. I mean, how often on social media have we, are we seeing at this point professional athletes and rock stars and athletes and politicians and yeah. captains of industry who are sabotaging their careers over one tweet? Mm-hmm. I mean, and these are people who often have college degrees, who have everything going for them, who have more money than you or I will ever see. And even they are susceptible to saying or doing something really stupid online. So that's where, that's how I think that it is more than that. And you know what, if I'm not of your age, but I'm close enough that my life growing up was like yours. And I didn't have all those temptations, thankfully, because you know what, if I had been a 15 year old, I wouldn't have been making racist comments, but I probably would have been making pretty sexist comments because I was a kid and I was stupid. And that's you the know, way and, we were then. Yeah. I mean, we didn't yeah, know. I mean, for me, my big exposure, because this was before cable TV and, you know, buying 45 records and listening to, you know, WNBC in New York for, you know, for top 40 radio and all mm-hmm. that. But my big exposure was my father's monthly Playboy coming in. Oh, yeah. That, that brown paper covered magazine coming in (laughs) and i would get home from school and dad wouldn't be getting home for hours yet and so it would come in the mailbox and both ends were open it was just brown wrapped in brown so i got really good at if i just poked it with my fingertips (laughs) just a little bit at a time i could get it slide it gently out and voila (laughs) i've got the latest issue of playboy you know 1972 or whatever you know, thumbing through it and look, thumbing through it, ooh, ogling it. This you know, January, yeah, reading the cartoons and you know, and the little orphan, oh, you- uh, little orphan fan, you know. But the trick was always getting it back into, right. getting it back into that paper into the brown sheathing, and you know, just starting to slide it in and tapping it back in. And then putting it back down with the rest of the mail on the kitchen table at the end. That's I'm sure my father. I'm sure my father, after a while, kind of figured, "Hmm, okay." This reminds me. on there. That's a a great image, Jim, and it reminds me of the uh, flurry of Amazon reviews of the Kleenex tissue 48 pack. I don't know if you saw that go by. There's no. a, it's a very funny story. Some I, apparently there are some comedic writers who are using uh, Amazon reviews like little miniature blog posts. That's that's all I can guess. It's a hilarious uh, a hilarious review that's actually a comedy thing. It's a mother and she's saying, uh, "I can't believe how great this is that you can subscribe to the 48 pack of Kleenex because in my house." And she goes into this story about the kids, the boys, and all that, and how they disappear in the bathroom, and so on. Um, <laughs> Well, I wanted to comment on because we keep talking about this, and again, uh, going back to um, to the idea of the way the world was before. But first, uh, here's a, I want to read just a, a small excerpt from an article uh, by Dan York that I thought was fantastic that he posted on Google Plus and on his blog, and it says, "With our every action, we create the kind of world we want to live in. In our every moment." 
in our every action, we create the kind of world we want to live in. Sorry, that was also the title of the article, and I read it again. We can choose to build people up and help build a world of optimism and hope, or we can choose to tear people down and help build a world of divisiveness and negativity. Cue one of us saying that the Republicans should be reading this. No, I didn't say that. Uh, well, build, I will second that, but that's, build, that's brilliant. That's build brilliant. people up. I really like that. He says, build, I was just going to go to this far, which is build people up or tear people down. Your choice. And what he was referring to is he said, he told the story uh, that he was pasting, he was saying something in Facebook about the bad weather and, or someone else, well, I don't know, somebody said something about bad weather in his area and he started to type, uh, how are you going to find a way to, to blame this on President Obama? <laughs> and then he stopped and thought, I'm in the cycle. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he's saying to himself, here I am. And, you know, this explains, by the way, this, this idiotic um, acceleration of, of negative comments. Somebody will say something. I'm just going to pull an example out of the air. Apple versus Android. So you say something about one. Somebody comes in and, you know, it's Godwin exponentially um, delivered to where after about four comments, the words are going to start coming out, really offensive words about what you, an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about and so on. Whereas if you actually have a really strong opinion, I mean, suppose you're like the total fanboy of fanboys for Samsung, for example. To me, Samsung, and by the way, your car, your Ford, your Chevy, your whatever you drive... I don't care what it is. Ferrari, I'm not impressed. That's a word to me. It's just a sound. I have no interest in that. But there are people who will go nuts over each of these things. My piece of hardware, I had a Samsung phone. I didn't like it. I'm not going to go anywhere and say, oh, that's crap, you know? I don't even think it is crap. I just didn't like it, okay? Big deal. And I'm certainly not going to jump on a thread that's talking about Samsung, either good or bad, and give my opinion because my opinion is, hey, that's not for me. Right. Cass earlier mentioned Samsung. She really liked that. So, you know, it's whatever works. Um, And that that comment of that's not for me that I just made is extended to everything that you see out there where you might jump in. This is a I think this comes from some Buddhist thought, by the way, which is that you're your world and your day is full of messages. And these messages are coming towards you. They might be coming from Twitter. They might be coming from the radio, talk radio, right-wing talk <laughs> radio. They might be coming from uh, television that you left on or that you're watching. It might be wherever these messages are coming from. They're all messages. They're all, everything is like Twitter. Everything is these little sound bites and messages. And of course, no greater place to see all that is than Facebook, all social media. And what you'd have to learn to do, I think, and I don't always succeed, but you've got to try to look at a message and go, like I think to myself, do you think that's funny? Remember I was telling you that. I said, right. somebody thought this was funny. And in my mind, I might say, what a douche this person is. But in my right. I am not, this message is not for me, is the truth of it. It isn't that somebody is or isn't, that doesn't matter. What matters is that this message is not for me, I'm not going to do anything with it, I'm not going to process it, and I'm certainly not going to let it go any further. That's why I don't mention when I don't like certain people on um, on TV, say Fox News, uh, I don't mention those names ever. 
because I don't want that name to be mentioned yet again, even if it's to say something horrible. And by the way, why say something horrible? Can Ignore we just it. use the initials uh, MK? <laughs> Wait, I'm, I can't think now. <laughs> Megan Kelly. Oh, I don't even know who that is. See, that's how. Well, of course, I'm not in the states, but uh, no, there are so many. Wait a minute. If you really want to get into the hate part, uh, you know, is there anything any good that's worth hearing on that station? And that anyway, not. Well, uh, you know what? what this this whole topic. Uh, I'm a very, very, and this will come as to no surprise to big anybody shock. who really knows me. Hold on, big shock. Go ahead. I have opinions. <laughs> I have opinions, and I've been known once or three times to say them. That doesn't mean that I always think that I'm right, because I don't. And I'm. And there's been many times I've actually had my opinions turned on very serious subjects, as well as the mundane. Including one of them being surprisingly on gay marriage years ago not that i was i had i was completely within gay rights but i was one of these civil unions people my wife after a couple of months of talking about it a lot she really got me to understand why civil unions weren't the same thing and so forth so that's just one area uh, and so now, and, and I absorbed that and I f- took a fundamental change in my opinion mm-hmm. on that. And it didn't happen overnight and it took time and it took more than just my wife. It took me looking into many different realms to, and this is probably, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years ago. Uh, but wait, it was a I, fundamental. I need a, I need a clarification here. You're saying that your position before was that. Uh, why not settle for civil unions? Why aren't they good enough? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That's, that's exactly. What I yes. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. And 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 it really took time for me to understand, to listen, to understand, to open myself up to expanding past that. Because before I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm an uber liberal and on everything social and 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 so forth. I thought that that was enough for me, and that it was enough on that subject. And over the course of time and talking, realizing, well, maybe that maybe I was limiting myself on all of that. And uh, so it it made me really profoundly change in that way. Mm -hmm. But I I do have. So it goes back to I do have a lot of opinions. I've never been afraid to throw them out there. It's caused me pain sometimes. It's caused me pleasure at other times. Um. I know that that has not always endeared me to people, not to be so much argumentative, but there's, uh, you know, there's people out there who are like me, not afraid to put their opinions out there. It doesn't mean that every last opinion I have, I share, but I've never been afraid of that. But what I'm finding is, is that I need to dial back a little bit sometimes on putting them out there, whether that's vocally or whether that's in writing. And a good, uh, a good example is this. Yesterday, a friend of mine posted a clip on Facebook, and she posted it out there for everybody, but she actually really addressed it to her husband, and it was the clip from uh, Jimmy Fallon Monday night. Uh, He and The Roots did the song. They brought the the woman, the Oscar-winning song from Let It Go from the movie Frozen on, and it was very cute. It was very sweet uh, video because they used all school instruments to do the song. That's his stick when they do it in this little room and it was wonderful. And she was talking about, cause I heard their daughters, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old now. And she loved frozen, loved that movie, the whole bit. 
So my friend was addressing her husband that their daughter has to see this video. She'll love it because she just loves it so much. Well, I watched the video and it was cute and it was adorable and all that stuff. But I got to be honest, most of that song, the singer was wildly out of tune, sounded terrible. And all I kept thinking about it during it was, and I felt bad for thinking that because they were having fun. It was like a spontaneous thing for Jimmy Fallon, the roots and her, uh, I can't remember her name. And I was like, well, I shouldn't really be thinking this. They're just having fun doing this. But all I kept thinking was, she sounds like shit doing this. I'm sorry, but she's wild. And I listened like four times in a row. It's like, she is out of tune for most of the song. You know, a few high points, she hits it like she did in the, on you know the movie or in the studio. So I'm thinking to myself, well, is this really just a product of auto-tune? Can she not really do it live? Although she's in Broadway and all that stuff, so obviously the woman can sing. And I was starting to put, because we are always, my friend and I are always putting little snarky comments back and forth on each other's posts. And it's great. It's fun. And I started to type it in really, wow, can somebody say auto-tune? And then I realized, well, number one, her daughter is probably going to see that post because, you know, it was hers and it was to her father and all that stuff. And it's like, I, I didn't even have to delete it because I just took it out when I was in the middle of typing. I'm like, you know what? It was a very sweet comment and a very sweet share from my friend to her husband that was really for their daughter. And I was like, you know what? I can't do that. I can't be snarky. It's, it would be wrong. It would be wrong to be snarky. And there are too many other times when I can fulfill my inner snark in other places. I don't need it to be there. And I think that's an example of what, where I'm trying to get at in a point in my life like that. Now, picking and choosing the times to just criticize something or just sometimes just being a smart ass. Well, there's another, there's another aspect, which is, and you and I have talked about this before, which is simply, is this, what, is, what is the purpose here? You know, when I play with the guys I'm playing with music, um, I've been saying this same story for probably 20 years because I'm way older than most of the people I play with, and I've had a lot of experience. You may like what I do. You may not like what I, what I do, but I've played with a lot of really great musicians, and I listen to what I consider to be the best music around uh, in, say, jazz, things like that, lots, lots of classical. My point being, I tell them, you really need to ask yourself at any given time, um, is what I'm playing better than nothing? That doesn't mean, is it good? It means, maybe I should be laying out here. And I, I need to give maybe just a few seconds of background on this, being as, when you're three people in a band, you don't have to all be playing. So if you're a thousand people in a circle on Google+, Plus or a list in Facebook, who are repeatedly talking to each other, you don't have to comment on every single thing that goes by all the time. And every once in a while, um, I catch myself commenting not a not a me too comment but you know you want to like stuff or plus one stuff that you like because you want the people to know hey i saw this that's cool i'm i'm and i'm happy it's almost like yeah i'm happy to be still be following you you know i don't know it's just kind of a sign of life like the, the dead man switch is when you don't plus one anybody anymore i don't know <laughs> that just came into my head but uh the the idea that 
when you're playing music and you say you're an orchestra of um, 65 players, you know, everybody isn't always playing at once. You should take a look at an orchestra to notice. Well, let's take a great example. The guy who's on timpani is not hitting that timpani constantly throughout the entire piece. It just That would be ridiculous. How about the cymbal guy, you know, the jokey one who has like the one cymbal crash right at the end? Or how about the cannon player in the 1812 Overture by Tchaikovsky, you know? They just have a couple of cannon shots at the end. Anyway, way off uh, what I'm saying, though, is when you're starting to put a comment, and I have done this several times, even in the last few days, wait a minute. Is this comment actually worth anything at all? Or is it, you know, should I just plus one and move on or not even plus one? Or should I plus one somebody else's comment? This goes for likes too, by the way, if you're into Facebook. Um, Should I just mark somebody else's? My approval, Um, quick parentheses opening here too. I do not share my plus ones on Google+. This is a topic of irritation for me. Uh, You may be different, Jim, and a lot of other people may be different, but I feel that since there's a share, if you feel strongly that something's great, share it to your people. If you don't, I don't want to see your plus ones in my stream, and I don't because there's an extension that removes them. So I don't know what anybody else plus ones, and I don't want to know. And you know why? I'll tell you why. Because usually the plus ones, because I see them on my mobile, if if I'm on, if I use my phone, and when I, what I see plus ones of 99% 99% of the time, it's this exact thing where I look at it and go, and you think this is funny? Right. Because it's not funny to me. It's not funny. Yeah. It's not entertaining. It has no value. It brought nothing to my day. Thank you very much. Now, that's negative, I know. But the point is, if I'm not looking at them, I don't have to be negative. You can only do so much of that. That's me- that message isn't for me. And then pretty soon there's no messages for you, right? <laughs> so you got you to gotta make a choice. Well, yeah, to me... One of the things that's weird, like on Facebook, is like, because a, lo- a lot of times it can be an empathy. Like, like uh, yesterday, I, pu- Your cat, I put yeah. up. Yesterday, I put up that, and I also put up. I changed my profile picture. It was a very sweet picture of the two of us from two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and I explained a little bit about what was going on yesterday. Now, people always feel funny about clicking like because it's it's there should be like an empathy button too because. Who likes the fact that somebody's in pain? Who likes the fact that somebody just had to deal with a very painful situation? But if you don't click like and if you don't comment, then it's giving it could give the impression that nobody cares. And and that's part of the that's part of the problem with not liking and not plus wanting in this in the social world, because then all of a sudden you can have somebody sitting there who either had this amazing, wonderful thing happen to them and nobody, they perceive it that nobody noticed it or or on the other side of it, somebody could be in real pain because they just lost, you know, an uncle or they lost their, you know, parent or they lost their cat, whatever. And if people don't, you know, sometimes people don't have the words to say how they really feel and they would rather just be able to click like or plus one, whatever, because it's acknowledging I've seen what you've posted. I've seen that you're in pain. I've seen you're in pain right now. That's acknowledgement. Um, But they may feel feel funny about, you know, expressing themselves. 
And of course, some people, uh, if it's a woman posting, uh, they'll say something. She'll say something about some horrible car accident her husband was in, and he's in a coma. And then somebody will put, uh, "But you look hot." <laughs> well, oh, oh. well, you know what? Those I'm, people to, have a I'm, special I'm, place in hell if you believe. In I hell mark or those. On, well, I mark those as spam. I don't know if anybody actually deals with that on Google Plus, but. I usually mark them as a spam or abuse just because it's it's just so lame and so stupid. And obviously somebody who – I put that a lot on people who don't even know what they're reading, to tell you the truth. They're just looking at a picture going, you know. Maybe they, well, maybe they, they don't even have an English alphabet. You know what I mean? That's a, not an excuse. You should just story. shut up. But, you know. Funny that, that story the other day. Oh, yeah? On, on Sunday, there was this picture comes up. And uh, it was on Google Plus, and it was a side view of this woman, and she had a dress on, and she it was a selfie, and you know she had her boobs sticking way out and all that, and she was saying that she took the picture at church when she was at church with her daughter, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and I and I was like I wasn't going to say anything, I wasn't going to say anything, I wasn't going to say anything, and then I hatched it. I was all I put in was hmm, photo with big boobs at church. Well played. Oh my, <laughs> and, she oh my. It was, and she thought it was only, but I'm just like, okay, here we go. You know, you're at church and you're trying to take the kind of the sexy look at church selfie. That is it was strange. It, was, it, is, it, it was strange, but it was amusing all at the same. So then you're seeing all these like really scuzzy comments that just like really sleazy kind of comments. All the you, hot, look hot. you mean all the you look you, hot, babe? Yeah. Yes. And I was just like, oh my gosh. It was like that part I didn't need. But I do have, you know, it's it can be um, if you are somebody of, let's say, like me, who posts a lot of political stuff, you can annoy people. There's no doubt about it. And you can draw. So you can draw those comments to yourself. And that's fine. I accept that if I'm, you know, if I'm putting out certain, you know, pretty hardcore political stuff that I'm going to be drawing lines of fire mm-hmm from different directions and and that's fine. That's fair. That's valid. You know, it's, I would prefer a little bit more of a, an intelligent approach. If you disagree with what I'm posting, fine. Tell me why you disagree, but just as, you know, just to, you know, you're an asshole or you're this, that, or that thing. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't tell me where you're really coming from other than that. You're just being really juvenile about it all. But you know, you can irk people. You know, if you're, you know, if it kind of goes into that whole puppy dogs and rainbows things that we were talking about mm-hmm. on one of the other shows. But there is like, I've discovered there's a pro tip for Facebook people out there. If you have somebody who you really like, you know, in real life and you care about them and you don't want to disintegrate your relationship with them because they may have very different political views than you and so forth, instead of like booting them out of, because I use lists for when I'm posting to people mm-hmm. on Facebook because there's a large segment of, the, of them who are not close friends, aren't relatives, um, who probably could care less. So this stuff is not like, publicly visible, right? Right. No, no. I never post public on Facebook ever. I have my, I walled off. It only, goes to, it only goes to my 80 or 90 people at best. But even then, I still have a much smaller subsection that I post to now. Mm-hmm. But I found instead of because my political views are not the same as many of my friends and vice versa. You know, though, you know, I'll be getting all these tea party things coming to my streams on Facebook, where it's usually from pages uh, of all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting, you know, for a while there, I was getting really aggravated. Uh, it's like, okay, I don't need to see 27 posts a day 
you know, taunting, you know, touting the uh, tea party or whatever. But I don't want to lose touch with this person because I really like them. Just because I don't agree with them politically and they don't agree with me politically, we can still be cool people together. But there is a way in Facebook now that you can hide, say they're sharing posts and pages and photos from third parties. Mm-hmm. From say from you know, a Tea Party part person or you know Republican or even Democrat, it works the other way around too. It's not I'm not picking on the right here. If you're a righty and you don't want to see stuff from me, although I don't really share third party things on Facebook, mm-hmm. but if I did, you can click on there and you can hide everything in the future from that third party. So this way, anytime if your friend decides they feel the need to post ten times that day on from that third party you won't see it so you're good with that person because you're not just getting aggravated that okay you know jim yet again is posting something liberal blah 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 blah. you don't have to see any of that but you can still maintain your relationship with me if you choose to and i think a lot of people don't realize that that they have that option out there that you can filter without it becoming really tacky and without it becoming all-encompassing, it's just like on Facebook. It's a simple one little click on the right-hand side. A pop-down screen comes up. Do you want to ignore this person, your friend? Do you want to unfollow them? Or you can just unfollow. You can just have it blocked from that third party whose pictures were taken from or pages were taken from. Do that instead. And this way you can keep more of a civil relationship. This means that people are... Sh- constantly sharing stuff from the same third party or maybe it's a page like a coca-cola yeah. page or something yeah well or pages it'll be like pages that are within a certain political realm uh-huh. it could be it could be i'm just using as an example it could be there could be like 30 different tea party pages on facebook and they and they put you know the memes up with yeah. you know comments and so forth and, and usually they're just you know they're over the top comments well what happens is say your friend likes that when the act of liking puts it into their stream mm-hmm. so therefore it goes into your stream now after a while you're like okay you know i'm really sick and tired of seeing these memes and and so forth from these third party pages so you can actually block that third party page so you no longer get the memes or anything like that instead of blocking your friend. I guess you can do yeah. that on Plus 2 though, right? Because you can block if you block a page then if somebody else shares it I assume you don't see it. Of course I don't know what you would see. Never occurred to me. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you because I don't have any real life people that I'm friends with on Google Plus, I I don't really care about that mm-hmm. because I can just I can mute I can block. I can just choose to ignore. It's tougher when you're dealing with when you're dealing with people who you really know. You're dealing with real feelings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, and if they're family, so you can't un, you can't unfollow them abruptly because that means something on Facebook. Whereas, well, yeah, people don't it's know. Like I, yeah, like I mentioned the other day, I'll I'll be honest with you. I've had uh, several people who I work with who have unfriended me on Facebook. Yeah, I'm not sure you should 
friend. I mean, I'm not on Facebook in any significant way. I have an account, and I sometimes double my, you know, cross post over there. But it's all crap what I'm posting. It's nothing of any real interest. It's just like news things and links that I'm already posting in one place. So let's just throw them over there too. And right. some, and occasionally, someone, a very good friend of mine, there follows me. I have like two friends on Facebook, literally, on my on my personal account. And um, occasionally, he sees something that actually you know, is interesting and will like it or even comment on it. But, I mean, I'm not there. I go once I, I, a week or so. So what I'm saying is I'm not even a real user. But uh, I do know the big difference is that, if first of all, I everybody that I've friended, I pretty much unfriended already on Facebook. I have like three people, and two of them are have friended me, and you know I watch them, and that's the end of it. But in the beginning, I friended a bunch of musicians, and their streams were so uninteresting that I think I closed the account in uh, like 2007. And then when I started again, I just used it for developing and, and uh, professional reasons. So I don't use it anymore. I, I've never, you know, I haven't taken offense to, to the people who have unfriended me on Facebook. I suppose if my mom did and certainly if my wife did. <laughs> do, you get, do you get a message on Facebook when somebody unfriends no, you? Going, no, no, what happens, you don't, no, you don't even even realize but the, there are a couple of the people i didn't even realize for like a long time what happens is there's you have a little counter you know like mm-hmm. on google plus okay you know 88 people or something all of a sudden you may notice it well it's 87 people and you're like hmm well and, and i know there's third-party software that you can mm-hmm. get that shows you that but i've never i've you know i've never been one to get upset with you know whether it was co-workers in in certain realms from various jobs uh, or people who I've really known who have done it. Cause it's like, okay, you know, I get it. You know, it's not everything is everybody's cup of tea. And like I said before, I'm, I don't think that I don't, not everything I post is political and not everything I post is opinion. I share a lot of videos and I share a lot of funny stuff too, but I'm also not one of those people who's just going to, I don't post endless streams of my cats and dogs and, mm-hmm. you know, this, all the lovely stuff. And not everybody wants to see that. I mean, I can't remember the last person I unfriended, frankly, <laughs> on Facebook because you can put lists. So it's like, that's fine. But I, you know, I just looked at it as, it's kind of like in real life too. I mean, we all after you get to a certain age, you go through life with different people and you might hang with certain groups for some years and then circumstances change. You change your job and Mm. those people who were your friends, who you did things with outside of work, suddenly, you know, you're in a different environment. And so that changes and you start, you know, it's very rare. I think that if you go from job to job as an adult, that you continually retain all of those same people Depends Especially on what. You, well, it depends on what you do. I would sure, say. absolutely. If you're working on movies, you, I'm going to guess that if you're a Hollywood uh, actor, you would. But other than that, you know. well, that is, yeah. But is that because of friendship or maintaining a potential ah, career? I would say that's, it's more it's, just making. Well, that whole thing is very social anyway. So that's maintaining your yeah, network. But, yeah, but I, I think that in the end, I bet you anything that. It, most of it really is the networking aspect. Is yeah, it real friendship no, or is it, probably. I need to be seen with these people out there or just like if you go to tech conferences, you see the same people over and over and over at that. Cause it's, it's, it's a small club essentially. But if you're 
a, just a regular worker in Topeka, Kansas, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. leave the Acme Anvil Company to go to the Acme Hammer <laughs> Company. <laughs> I love the Acme Anvil, Anvil Company. Yeah. I always use that as an example. But if you go to the Acme Hammer Company, chances are you're going to start hanging out if you're going to, say, do the bowling league or whatever. There you go. You're going to hang out with this new subset of people. Enjoy and you still may... And you still may hang out with a couple of people from the Acme Anvil Company, but I think as time goes along, that kind of goes away. And I think it kind of ties into what we're talking about with in in the whole social realm. There's so many layers now of social, where when we were kids. <laughs> All right, wait a minute. This is just we were, go ahead, go ahead. When we were kids, our whole social thing was the block. Right, you know, right, and was, going was, in fresh was, air. Fresh air sure. was, was the internet of the yeah building forts and riding bikes and get off my lawn. <laughs> All right, so you know we were talking about what people think are funny. I got a test for you because this made me laugh. I just laughed. I it's heard a big, you laughing. A big thing. It's a cartoon, but it can be done as a. Uh, I, I can say it, and it'll. I think it'll have the same effect. Um, and it's. Uh, it's a. Um, it popped up on Twitter, and it's it's Obama on the left and Putin on the right, and Obama says, "Let me be clear." And Putin Putin says, "Knock knock." Obama says, "Who's there?" Putin says, "Crimea, Crimea who? Crimea River?" Click. <laughs> I mean, at least there's some. Actually, there's a couple reasons you might object to that because that's actually that's not funny. The situation is not funny at all. Well, it's but not, somehow, it's, it's taking humor. Well, yeah, in this serious situation. But, but but what I'm saying is, it's there's something that I find not sleazy about that compared right. to so much so much of the stupid things that come out. Plus, it's actually not specifically knocking either of those people. Uh, it's just. A jo- it's a stupid joke is what it is. So, you well, know, I'm sure people would think, hey, do you think that's funny to me? But it's funny just because it's a knock-knock joke. Crimea River, just a knock well, a stupid yeah, joke. Said, well, you know, I have an aunt and uncle living in Crimea right now, and I don't think that's very funny. Exactly. Like, you know, okay, and it isn't for them. You're not gonna, well, yeah, it isn't for them. But, yeah, of course, you know, you're not going to make a joke about the Holocaust. You're not going to make a joke about school shootings. There are certain no. things that – no matter what, there's just no way of getting there to making it funny, and that's fine. But I'm yeah, sorry, that was just that was just really funny. And you know what? Sometimes you also have to use the absurdities, like mm-hmm. George Carlin, you know, the social commentary right. that to to find humor. And sometimes that means taking that stick and poking that stick in, and not everybody's going to like it. Yeah. yeah, what are you going to do? You Lenny, know, it's Lenny Bruce said that comedy was tragedy plus time, and that <coughs> Ooh, and the brilliant. modern well, and I mean because well, the truth is, like you mentioned, the Holocaust. The truth is that there aren't that many jokes about, for example, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and rightly so. I mean, that's not a funny thing, but right. in a lot of cases, as you have heard, because it's kind of a meme, too soon, you know that thing. So the Crimea is not only too soon, I mean, it actually kind of right now. So it's not that it's too, it's not that it's not too soon. It's that it's happening right now. But anyway, the point is, it was just a stupid joke and it got me and I laughed. And so maybe I should be more tolerant of stupid jokes myself, I guess, huh? Let me ask you something. I got to ask you something. If uh, all these years later, I'm sure I have my own opinions on it. It's 1976 
and my mom and I and a friend were taking a trip all over the East Coast on vacation. And it was during the primaries, uh, Democratic primaries. And Ted Kennedy was you know, one of the front runners at that point. And I happened to see, and I'm 14, and I'm just, uh, even then I was a political little pain in the ass. I happened to see a shirt one day, and it was yellow. And I still have a picture of it somewhere. And it said on this T-shirt, can the Chappaquiddick kids save America? Ooh. So bad. I know. Well, this is seven years later. It's seven years later. So I buy the T-shirt. I'm a smart-ass 14-year-old. I buy the T-shirt. I'm wearing the T-shirt. We're in Washington, D.C. <sighs> Now, I don't realize when I put that shirt on that morning that we're going to end up going to Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, nice, nice. Can you see where this is heading right now? So we go to the Arlington National Cemetery, and I'm not really thinking about the sensitivities involved. I mean, you know, looking back. So we're there, and we go to the Eternal Flame, and, you know, we're standing over, you know, a couple of feet from the Eternal Flame, and I want to tell you, there was more than a few people who read me the riot act. You know, just people who I didn't even know. Who, mm-hmm. That how disrespectful, number one, that shirt was. And that I would wear it by going where I'm going to see his brother's uh, burial site and so forth. And my mom, I think she was like off to the side somewhere. So she didn't, I don't think she heard a lot. But, I mean, I was getting a lot of glares as we were all going through. Uh, well, I was getting glares all through Washington that <laughs> I day. <laughs> I weren't served um, going to a restaurant. If I, was probably, if I was probably like 18 or 21, I'm sure there was a few people who probably would have wanted to take me outside somewhere. <laughs> but I did. I had a lot of people that day who read me the riot act at, at the Eternal Flame saying that it was so disrespectful that I wore You know what? They were right. They and were you absolutely couldn't, right. And then you couldn't pull out the story that you had just gotten back from three terms in Afghanistan or anything like that to, <laughs> no, to exonerate no. you or Vietnam no. in, the, in the day. No, I, 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 but it was, um, it was tasteless. It was crass. It was insensitive. But that and was, was four- then. That and was I, was then. Four- I was 14. And I think it kind of ties back in way back to what we were talking about 20 minutes ago as far as online comments. You could almost say that that was the equivalent. Me wearing that shirt that day was the equivalent of being some little shithead going on YouTube and posting like really ugly comments mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, my intentions, my intentions were to be snarky because I think I came out of the womb as uh, with a nice, decided, snarky <laughs> edge to me. But I don't think that I really. I know I. You know, you're 14. Your brain hasn't even come close to being developed yet. Um, and also, you, you did know, not have the, uh, and I think this is important, you did not have the range that a YouTube does. First of all, it wasn't international. Right. It's extremely exactly. local. And this is part of my point, which is that if you want to go out and do something that may not be well-received, fine. But there you're talking to a very small audience relatively. Even if you were all over town, and, uh, and even if 200 people saw it and were moved negatively moved by it, it's not like being on YouTube where there's a potential of many millions of people in every country and misunderstandings, cross-lingual, cross-cultural stuff. I'd like right. to lighten up here for, uh, and uh, close this out with a couple of either recommendations for... Uh, movies, TV, songs, anything. Maybe something that might make us laugh. I don't know. 
Um, I'm trying to think of what I've seen lately that's even remotely funny. Didn't I say something about a comedy that I saw? Well, you you got one. Well, you you watch a lot of comedies. I don't watch so many comedies. Although you you know what that new show? What's the one we both love? Growing up Fisher. That's it. There we go. That's, Growing that up Fisher a, looks what, like it has potential. Your, what's your take on that? Well, I I think it's going to be good, but I'm afraid because I also thought a lot of other things were going to be good and weren't. The um, I love Dharma, right? Jenna Elfman. She's in that. Mm-hmm. She's the yep. mother. She's she's. Um, the mother. She was in 1600 Pen, the series about the White House. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great, Dharma in a comedy. I still call her Dharma. Uh, <laughs> and I watched that show. Watch. I watched that show. And the kid, and I don't remember his name. Was it Jason Bateman? Is that who the guy's in? Some, it's a young guy, actor who's pretty famous. He was so atrocious in that, and he ruined it time after time. I watched it about twice, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Just It was too—and by the way, that's not the man, Jason, whoever it is. That's not his fault necessarily. It could very well be the the writing and what they uh, gave him to say, and how—and also the direction. But it was just, he was just such an obnoxious character, and I just wanted to kill him the whole time. And in a comedy, if you want to kill—it's one thing to watch the killing— or uh, the following and want to you know choke the serial killer or, or see right. him suffer horribly for hours. But if you want to right. kill somebody in a comedy, that's not really a good sign. <laughs> and so Dharma, uh, Jenna Elfman's presence in this thing, along with uh, J.K. Simmons, He's uh, who's terrific. a ter- great, great actor. So yeah, it looks like it has potential. It's not hilarious funny either. It's a comic a dramedy almost in that the, he plays a blind father. I don't think it's a tearjerker, but I think there are moments, there are going to be moments where it's, there's the little lesson that you learn, you know, otherwise um, the, the show that I find funny that you may not like at all, but a show that's won a million Emmys. And I usually hate those a show that's been on for at least three seasons, maybe more is Modern Family. I think that's a great, hilarious show. It's written beautifully, acted beautifully, and I actually love all those characters. And it's it's, it's, it's beyond just, hey, this is a show about gay people, okay? What were you going to say? It's probably one of, my wife and I watch almost no sitcoms. I went from being a sitcom person all my life when I was a kid to watching almost none at this point because most of them I find to be completely insulting to my intelligence. And because they're so formulaic at this point and stereotypical. But Modern Family, my wife and I love Modern Family. It's a single and camera, I, first of all, is it not? I mean, yes. isn't that what the definition is? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost different. mockumentary. It's right. almost a mockumentary exactly. form. And I kind of had to at first drag my wife into it. She was not sure she would like it. Uh, okay, there's Al Bundy. Okay, yeah. Um, but... It is, I think, it's, does it speak of the American family in general? No, but it's, there are interesting little pieces here and there. And they use uh, in, in a broader way to bring that out. Uh, but at the end, it's like they all love each other no matter what. E- you know, even with the different things that go on, yeah. with the differences, they still love each other. And I don't think that that's a bad thing to be presenting at all. I do have to go back to going, uh, growing up Fisher. Mm -hmm. I really hope this show succeeds. So I I. hold, you know, it's on Tuesday nights, I think at nine 30 and on NBC, which is nine thirties, that probably a kiss of death. 
time slot. Mm. But um, it's because it's based on a true true story. Very interesting. And, and I still have to J.K. Simmons, who I love. He still will always be Vern Schillinger from Oz to me. You know, he was such maybe one of the most evil characters ever on American television. Really? A or network. Absolutely. His his role on Oz. I didn't know he was, was on there. He was one of I would put him in the top five all time evil 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 characters on american network television and it's taken me years of him doing all these other shows to try to wipe away a little bit of schillinger wow from from him and it's still very hard but i gotta tell you the relationship between he and the actor who plays his son on that mm-hmm. show i found incredible yeah it was good it, it was there was one scene in particular that was extremely poignant because the father's blind and, and his son helps him do so many things. And the father was looking around, so to speak. He was tapping around on a countertop for a, a, an envelope or piece of paper. I forget which it was. Well, the son, instead of normally would say, here, dad, or something like that, he just quietly, just with his fingertips, slid it over just within range so that his father could find it for himself. I felt that that was brilliant. And that told me that this show has real potential because they took something real and they didn't shove it in your face. It was a very quiet moment. Subtle. Yeah. That's very subtle with the son sliding it over into range for the father so that he could discover it for himself. And I I found that I just, I found that to be uh, really moving and really interesting. And I hope growing up Fisher does well. So do I. Um, I, have, I, lived, uh, I lived that moment, by the way, myself, because my stepfather, my stepfather went blind. He wasn't born blind or, well, I don't even know what the story is with the, the TV show. But uh, my stepfather uh, had diabetes and it blinded him in the end of the last few years of his life. He lost his sight, but he was very proud about it. So he didn't, he didn't tap around on the contrary. So he was pouring some coffee at the table and he was about a foot from his cup you know, pretending like he could see, and I slid the cup under before he poured it all over the table. So, yeah, you know what? I didn't flash on it until you mentioned it because that scene was so nicely done subtly that although you caught it then, it it wasn't like here's this big scene, we're going to set this up that the kid understands and so on. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm I'm totally digging on the Jenna Elfman and her daughter part. I think that kind of was a little bit over the top with with Jenna Elfman wanting to become a teenager. Although there was a, a yeah, I don't comment. know about that either. We'll see. There was a comment by the the daughter though. You already had your chance to be a teenager. That was a great line by the girl to her mom. Oh, she wanted to she, buy cause, the cause, same color mom, pants or something. Yeah, because mom wanted to do everything. Because now they're getting divorced, and mom right. wants to do everything that her daughter was doing. And it was a great line by the daughter. It was right. the one thing between them that was really believable. You had your chance to be a teenager. And that was, I mean, that could have been done as very mean, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. but it was very matter of fact. Yes. You're not a teenager anymore. Not by 30 years. You had your chance. And the, so the, I, go ahead. And so I, I, I thought that those were the little things that made me say, you know what? I need to keep watching this show. And I hope other people do too. And the young actors, all I was going to say to close it was uh, that the young actors in these series are extremely important. So if they yes. don't give these kids lines to play and direct them and assuming that they're good enough to do it, 
uh, that will hurt it because the the um, sun is an integral part of it. And getting back to Modern Family for one second, um, the guy, the kid who plays Manny, the son yes. of uh, Sophia, whatever her name is, that whole couple there's these couples and she's kind of a couple with her son i mean she's got yes. her husband too but the, uh, that manny is a genius and i've already seen he's doing ads for somebody um but he ha- i would predict a huge future for him he is just amazing i hope he when he grows up he continues funny. to be able to be as funny because you know may not be funny when he gets older but is, he's is there a is there a funnier couple than cam and mitchell they're great they're brilliant. Uh, they're fantastic. And and by the way, that series uh, shows something. Gee, I was going to shut up, but I have to say this other thing, which is that we got to know um, uh, several gay people, actually, because we used to go to this tea room that was that was owned by a guy. And we got invited over to his house, and he and his partner uh, gave us dinner. And as you get to know people of another uh, sexual persuasion, you realize that they argue about exactly the same things as we do with our wives. Exactly. I mean, I was sitting there having a huge flash on this, the fact that, you know what? These people aren't different, really. And if you look at Cam and, uh, what's his name, Mitchell, the couple you just mentioned, that's exactly the really healthy and cool part about the show is that uh, unless you're completely brain-free... If, and you wouldn't be if you're watching that. Uh, you see that what they're going through is exactly the same. It's just that one of them happens to be a man, and the other one happens to be a man. Uh, and and that's part of the heartwarming stuff of it. It's, it's I, li- I think it's a very funny show, and I think the writing's brilliant. And I I don't know how they're going to be able to keep it going for like ten seasons, but they've already had so many sweepings of the enemy of the Emmys. Emmys. Well, they didn't get it I this have... time, by the way. They couldn't. It would be that would have been a travesty. I think. Well, there's also other worthwhile shows yep, out there too. Absolutely. Um I I have there's a lot of modern music that I love. Absolutely. Uh I mean my main genre is probably the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. but I listen to a lot of modern music as well. But when I recommend I like to recommend things that people haven't really heard of that people turn people on for the first time. I mean, you know, there's oh, Beyonce. I'm not going to recommend the latest Beyonce or the rec- latest Rihanna or mm. Kanye or whatever, because you already know about that. If you like that kind of music, you already know about them. So I like turning on people to like something different. And there's this band. They've been around now for like 25 years, but they're still playing the clubs, nightclubs, and that's probably all they'll ever do. And that's great. They have a very devoted, small following. And they're called Donna the Buffalo. Hmm. And it's they're uh, they're out of Ithaca, New York, uh, Trumansburg, which is just outside of Ithaca, and they've been they've got eight nine albums probably over the years out, and they're um, if they're Americana, roots rock, Zydeco, rock and roll, country, all in this just wonderful, amazing stew, and um, their live shows because they. They don't play like real set lists. It's almost kind of like if you go to the Grateful Dead, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to have a great time. And uh, it's just, it's fun music. It's, it's, uh, it can, some, you might have one song be an eight or 10 minute great Zydeco rock mm-hmm. reggae jam. And the next one may be, you know, a three minute uh, kind of jam. Uh, the two leaders of the band have been in it since the beginning. It's a male and female. 
uh, co-lead singers uh, play guitar. She plays uh, fiddle, guitar, uh, the washboard. Sounds good. Uh, and uh, it's it's fun music. And like my wife and I have gotten to see them uh, many, many times, whether it's in clubs or at festivals. They'll play like a lot of festivals with um, jam band festivals. Or they'll play their own outdoor shows uh, at parks and things like that. And you, it's what's great about Donna the Buffalo is is the uh, the audience. You'll see like little kids there, like five years old, dancing the whole time in their you know tie dyes, and their parents. And you'll see people in their seventies. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I took uh, my wife and I took my at the time like six year old niece and my seventy year old mother in law. And we went to this little outdoor field in uh, Northwest Hills of Connecticut, and they were playing at this little thing called Egg Stock. And it was maybe, I don't know, 500 people, 800 people. And they had like renewable source energy, little booths and things like that. Hmm. It was totally hip, hippie drippy. And Donna the Buffalo comes out and they start playing. And everybody was just having a great time. Um, their albums are wonderful. And I can't get, we've been following them now for probably close to 15 years. It's just it's music that just stirs you to your soul of it, a lot of their sound incorporates about family and connection with each other and doing what's right for yourself, but doing what's right for the greater world. And and I know I'm coming off sound like a complete <laughs> 60s hippie here. And, and that's fine. You know, that's, you need to put care. that headband on the scarf. You well, know. I have it. I, I have it. And I have a lot of tie dye in my ponytail and all that. But the the bigger thing with them is, is that it's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about the people who you've never met yet that you're going to meet someday and just doing and, and, and enjoying each other and, and appreciating each other and with great, great music. So down to the Buffalo, Google them, go see them. You will absolutely love their shows. Um, and you'll love their albums. We'll try to find a good link to put on the, um, on the blog, which is at leavethebottlepodcast.com. You can subscribe to us, to the Leave the Bottle podcast, on iTunes, on Stitcher, or look for it on SoundCloud. If you're on SoundCloud, why not? You can listen to it there. Not a problem. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, I mean, I'm an Android person, so Stitcher works for me. Um, and I'm a podcast fanatic anyways, so it's like a really cool that we're on there now. So if family and friends, you better subscribe because I'll know if you didn't. You got to get that mailing list. Send it out to your list on Facebook. I am. I am. Okay. We'll see you next time. See you next time.